Previously on Those Were the Days. Just hit the button. Do better next time crossing that moat. Yeah, um, if they weren't Mark Summers, they were interchangeable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we are wrapping up. Um, wow, right out of my head. What are we doing? You didn't even listen to the first instruction. If it's animated and it's an animal sound, it's a 50-50 chance it's D. Bradley Baker. <laughs> okay, kids, so you got far enough just to get the $50 savings bond. Oh, that's the dude that combed the fridges on the rug at night <laughs> at like 2 a.m. I'd be sitting there today waiting for my, uh, my savings bond to mature. Those Were the Days is filmed before a live internet audience. Hello and welcome into Those Were the Days, the show where we talk about classic TV and we look at it through with uh, with nostalgic eyes. I am your host this week, Travis, and I am steering the TARDIS, but I can't do this alone. No, no, no. I need help. And with his 25-foot-long scarf, it's Audie. You've got a fine program tonight. Doctor Who. Doctor Who? Yes. So, who's the doctor? That's right. No, I'm, I'm asking you, and I'm telling you. Okay, so who is the doctor? Correct. What do you mean, correct? I'm asking you. Who is the doctor? And I'm telling you, that's correct. Who is the doctor? I don't know who. Why not? You just said his name. Whose name? Yes. <laughs> Whose name is the doctor? Exactly. Exactly. Fine, I'm done with this doctor, whomever it is. Actually, it's just Doctor Who. I said, <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Wandering in, playing his recorder, it's Steven. Hey, y'all, so I'm going to do some quick math and see if I can turn my uh, house into a TARDIS. There's only a slight chance it completely destroys the planet. Don't worry about checking it. I mean, it's not likely that the planet implodes. Oh, oh, who are those guys? Uh, they're doing all the math using an abacus and three slide rules. It was good enough for NASA once. Oh, 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 snap. I think we missed the decimal point. How could this have happened? Maybe we should add some sort of check? Nah, we'll get it next time. <laughs> and wearing a decorative vegetable, it's Amy. A lot of our modern technology owes its creation, at least in part, to old sci-fi shows with vast worlds and optimistic views of what technology could make possible. Smartphones, iPads, 3D printers, just a drop in the bucket. But I think we can all agree that the biggest contribution of old school sci-fi are the advancements in styrofoam rock technology. <laughs> Boy, are you, you nailed that. So <laughs> we are kicking off... A month of talking about recasting characters in shows with a favorite of mine, classic Doctor Who. Uh, Doctor Who began on the BBC, it's a long-running BBC show, began in 1963, 60 years ago. It will be celebrating its 60th anniversary this year with a big special. Um, they did one 10 years ago for the 50th anniversary as well. It ran from 1963 to 1989 uh, on BBC, took a break, they canceled it at that point. Um, there was a made-for-TV movie, a U.S.-slash-BBC uh, made-for-TV movie in 1996, and then the show was revived in 2005 on the BBC and has been running ever since. Um, 
And uh, one of the hallmarks of the show is that the Doctor can regenerate, which is uh, a plot device used to uh, cycle in new actors for the Doctor. But it got started out of necessity. So the first Doctor, um, William Hartnell, had been on the show for four seasons. His health was, ha- was, uh, was fading. He wasn't doing so well. And they needed a way to keep the show going. So they devised this idea of regeneration. And they had the Doctor change his face but keep the same character and they could continue on the show and so that was why i chose it for this week what i'm curious about is did any of you watch any of these classic doctor who's i'm going to start with steven no travis <laughs> i've never seen a middle of a bit of the doctor do i'm aware of the doctor's cultural mm-hmm. you know impact i see it everywhere like we've talked about Dragon Con a couple times in the pre-show, and I I have been, and there are doctors everywhere. There's a TARDIS set up in the middle of a hotel, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I know what that is. I have no actual reference to anything on the show. All I know for certain is that it can be a uh, it can be a very emotional experience, as it's the only time I've ever seen my sister-in-law actually cry was when I came home early and she was finishing a season of Doctor Who, and it was apparently very sad. And I was like, wait a minute, what is wrong with you? Are those actual tears? Yes! <laughs> yes, they were. And I have never let her forget the fact that I've now seen her cry in real mm. life. <laughs> well, there you go then. Audie, how about you? Did you ever yeah. watch Doctor Who? You know, I did not. Um, I tried to get on board with the relaunch. Okay. Long after it had started, like just, you know, finally sat down and was like, okay, let me give this a shot. And it just didn't grab me. I still know about it. I mean, being a nerd in nerd circles, you can't not know people who are passionate about Doctor Who and will tell you why you're wrong for not liking it. Um, so, it, you know, it's something you can't escape, I don't think. Um, you know, and this was an interesting watch for sure. Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll get to that for certain. Amy, how about you? Did you ever watch Doctor Who? Uh, this was my very first experience with Doctor Whomst. And uh, <laughs> yeah, no, a lot of people assume that I'm in. I mean, because it's like Audie said, right? Like, yeah, they'll they'll get you every time. They'll tell you that you are wrong for not enjoying it. <laughs> I'm very afraid of doing this episode right now. <laughs> yep. It's definitely waiting on the emails to show up. Um, yeah, finally we're going to get some engagement, and it's not for the right reasons. <laughs> oh, don't worry so much about that. But um, So I did watch some classic Doctor Who. In fact, in high school... Um, we used footage from uh, one of the Tom Baker Doctor Who serials in uh, a video project I did for my sophomore year English class. We were doing uh, a segment on Arthurian legend, and we had decided that we were going to make a video basically that took uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail and Doctor Who as canon in the Arthurian legend. And so we had, uh, I played King Arthur, um, and we, uh, we had King Arthur fighting the Daleks in the, in the forest behind my subdivision. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, so that wasn't my first foray into Doctor Who, but we used that. And I watched a lot. Tom Baker being my favorite doctor, who was the doctor of this. We watched the serial called, uh, Logopolis, which was his final one. And there were definitely better serials I could have chosen, but I wanted to choose something that had a regeneration in it. Um, as part of sort of what we were talking about this this month. Uh, but there were definitely better 
better choices in terms of Tom Baker um, or Doctor Who in general that we could have gone with. Even some that involved multiple iterations of the Doctor interacting, which is always hilarious and, and super fun when that does happen because they they tend to butt heads a lot. It's it's great. Uh, like one of the running gags is a Doctor. Uh, an older doctor will come into the newer doctor's TARDIS and he'll look around and say, oh, you've changed things. I don't like it. <laughs> Every time. He always says that, no matter what, what they did. And it's, it's, it's a great running gag. But the show, like I say, ran from eight, uh, 63 to 89. But they did in... They had seasons, but then inside of those seasons, they would do three and four episode serial arcs. So instead of being 22 episodes and either sort of the Star Trek method of like, here's just episodes that happen, or your current day type of television where it's very serialized throughout the season, there would just be four episodes that would kind of string together a story. They'd play them for a week, and then they'd move on to the next story. Um, and they did that for most of the classic run. Uh, since the reboot, it's all been episodic, and like, here's a season of 13 episodes or whatever. Um, but I kind of like how they did that with... Uh, some of the classic who, although this particular one was probably one of the weaker scripts that they had. Um, and it kind of shows because it sort of drags on. Uh, I did find us a video that was the four episodes stitched together into one hour and a half long um, thing. That's why it was as long as it was there. Normally they were, they were 25 minute episodes. So kind of your standard British uh, half hour uh, BBC TV thing. But that would go I thought over this four was weeks. a whole movie. Yeah, that now this makes a lot more sense because it's like, dang, this was like a big deal. It was an hour and a half TV movie. <laughs> but now now I get it. Thank mm-hmm. you for that explanation. And, it's like, whoo, this is a big one. And there are there are quite a few of those you can find online where they somebody just took and they would, you know, lop off a little bit at the end and the beginning and stitch them together. Um and I, I kind of like that just because then you get one story um, and you don't have to, even though by doing that, you only get the amazing theme song of Doctor Who at the beginning and at the end instead of eight times, which in terms of themes from television series, this is in my top three, like ever. I love the song itself is just, it's a killer. There's a great uh, version of it actually from Glastonbury Music Festival. Um, that was done by, I believe it was Orbital, did that at Glastonbury. And it's one of my favorite versions of the Doctor Who theme I've ever heard. So um, definitely look that up. But the, the show was sci-fi, but it's it's very, it's not hard sci-fi at all. It's very much, we're just going to do whatever we feel like in the, in the given time. Uh, the Doctor is a Time Lord, uh, which is a race of people from a planet called Gallifrey. And he basically just flits around the universe in his TARDIS, which is a ship that is, it stands for Time and Relative Dimension in Space. That way he can go to any point in time and space that he wants, whenever. Um, But the problem, and it has a a chameleon circuit, so it can look like whatever it wants. It can blend into its environment, except that the chameleon circuit's broken, so it just looks like a blue police telephone box from Great Britain. (laughs) We should point out that apparently Gallifrey also has chameleons and they call them chameleons, which I always think is a great sci-fi trope is when it's like (laughs) alien race, but they're using the name of like the capuchin circuits. And it's like, you got capuchin monkeys on your planet and you call them that? That's wild. So there is a, there's a thing built in that the time vortex inside of the TARDIS actually does translations for people. 
So oh, okay. Because there was an episode in the revival <laughs> where a character came out and they were in ancient Rome, and she couldn't figure out why everyone was speaking English in ancient Rome, and the doctor's trying to explain to her that you know it's the time vortex translate the TARDIS translates for you, and then she tried to speak Latin, and all of the Romans looked at her like she had three heads because the, <laughs> the translation messed everything up. He's like, don't don't do that. Stop stop doing that. So anytime, like, <laughs> companions, because the doctor always has a companion with him. And uh, it started off, actually, the, so the first iteration of the doctor was played by William Hartnell, and his companion was his granddaughter. They hadn't figured out quite the character yet, so he wasn't, mm-hmm. he wasn't who he became down the road. Um, and he was just this curmudgeonly old man, and he did his stuff. And, like, you, you, if you can find some of the very early episodes of this show, they are... They're very rough. It's low budget. They're all in black and white, but they are low budget. You think the styrofoam rocks looked bad in this? I thought they were tremendous. They, uh, <laughs> There's some advanced styrofoam rock technology. You could only yeah, see the, a little bit of like the painter's tape. Yeah, the set work was together. was was great. It was wonderful. Know. So yeah. th- this particular uh, series or serial had the doctor um, has decided that he wants to fix the chameleon circuit on the TARDIS because the TARDIS there's something to do with entropy and he just wants to fix that and kind of fix up the old girl. And so he decides that he is going to uh, materialize the TARDIS around a blue police telephone box on earth in order to get exact dimensions of it that he can then take um, to uh, what is the planet Logopolis and, uh, and get a block transfer computation in order to fix thing lots of techno babble sci-fi babble uh, i was gonna show. say oh yeah i had no idea what he was actually doing you just explained it perfectly i was like oh okay <laughs> that that's what he was doing like i heard the words he yeah. said that you just said as well mm-hmm. oh, i yeah. know he said them in you know <laughs> sequence and stuff but did not compute I, in my brain <laughs> i come from a long background of really like really heavy sci-fi and fantasy right like i am willing to oh gom jabbar yeah i'm in okay fine sure great i got that no problem whatever you need uh my like i i had written an entire other uh intro in which i was going to launch into uh the lore behind warhammer 40,000 beginning with the god emperor being betrayed by uh his son horus and then end with um so if if you understood none of that and kind of wished that i would just stop talking then you understand where i was during a lot of this <laughs> i get no point oh, i'm yeah. pretty good at putting together right like i understand how how these things work i at no point knew what was going on ever at any point zero and, yeah, same. I was other than when they were changing lost. the tire and the, the and yeah. the spare was flat. Also, I was like, I understand this scenario. Mm-hmm. I love time travel. And te- I've watched Primer, the weirdest time travel movie oh, I've yeah. ever seen in my life, and I understood more of what they were talking about in Primer than I understood in the first fifteen minutes of this Doctor Who show. And and again, I did you all a disservice with this serial in that it was the last one of Tom Baker. Yeah, And so he had been doing this for, this was 1981. He started in 1974. He was the long, Tom Baker was the longest running doctor. He did 170, I want to say 173-ish episodes um, of the series in his time. So he'd been at this for a long time and he kind of was really baked into that character. And that was definitely, that's something that the doctor does. The doctor is very fast talking, lots of techno babble. Um, it ends up being just sort of a just go with it type of show. 
Um, especially some of these older serials because they weren't like one of the doctors in an interview talked about how um, I think it was Peter Davison who came after this said that some of the scripts were not great because they weren't sci-fi fans writing them. They were just Mm -hmm. TV writers that would put their name on anything. They would just like write something and they would go and shoot that. And the new, the revival since 2005, it's still that, but um, it's still like, kooky and you can sometimes have a lot of trouble following what's going on but they're actual sci-fi fans you know and people that really want to be there writing it so it's a little bit easier to follow but there's a lot the the doctor is a lot of manic energy um that can be tough to (laughs) tough to rein Mm -hmm. in sometimes um but what i have found in my personal experience when with watching doctor who is there there comes a point where you just sort of you either Never understand it. You just give up and you walk away from it, which is perfectly fine if it's not your thing because Doctor Who is a weird show. It's also very British television. Which I generally love. But, I prefer mm, British television overall. If, <laughs> if you don't just judge it by this set of four episodes yeah. or this one long episode, but what I have found is that when you are, when you become a fan of Dr. Who something clicks and all of a sudden you're like, Nope, I totally get it. Everything's fine now. Like I don't, you know, mm. sure. Great. He's in ancient, uh, you know, Rome doing this. And then the next week there's a dinosaur on a spaceship and we're fine with that. Like we don't care. Um, there's an actual episode titled dinosaurs on a spaceship. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of these mother effing dinosaurs <laughs> on a mother effing spaceship. Um, so they started off. They started off with William Hartnell and his uh, granddaughter, and they had uh, you know all sorts of um, adventures. He eventually decided not to do it anymore, so they bake in this regeneration. And then it took them like two or three iterations before they kind of got down how it worked. Um, then there were budgetary changes in the third Doctor, who was played by John Pertwee. Uh, by the way, the father of actor Sean Pertwee. If you've seen you and who you've definitely seen in some movies. Um, but he, uh, John Pertwee's uh, run as the third Doctor, the budget got cut by quite a bit. So he didn't really have a TARDIS. He drove around in a car uh, because <laughs> he was stuck. He was exiled on Earth was the storyline to, to cut down on the budget. So they kept him basically in London and in England uh, for all the storylines. So he had this little old car and he, uh, he drove around with that. Um, and then uh, it gained more popularity. Tom Baker comes along with his giant scarf. That thing by the... the Scarf is literally like twenty feet long. Yeah. yeah, it goes down to his feet. Tom Baker is six foot four, and Holy he's cow. got that scarf wrapped around his neck like two or three times, and it still extends all the way down to his feet. He yeah. he had to have tripped on that a lot. Hmm. Um. But yeah, the show just kind of did its thing. So so the doctor, uh, he's he's getting measurements of the TARDIS to take it to Logopolis, but the Master, who's another Time Lord and sort of his rival figures out his plan and materializes his TARDIS before that and does things. He basically turns people into little dolls. That's his evil plan. That was weird and creepy. (laughs) I had no idea what was going on. I don't, I don't know what's (laughs) happening. It was just, it was the weird, like that guy's on a fence and something about materializing TARDIS and infinite loops and gravity wells. And I know that one kid is basically the audience surrogate. Who's just yelling, what? Why? <laughs> what are we? Huh? And the doctor's got no time for him. Like, why are you even on this bus? Like, what? You, <laughs> nobody <laughs> likes you. Like, why? get off. Yeah, so that get was uh, right. one of his companions. That was uh, Adric, who was a uh, basically a stowaway. 
Um, and you're right. He was very much an audience surrogate, just there to be like, <laughs> what's going on? What's happening? And the doctor <laughs> to completely ignore him. Um, mm-hmm. And just like, because that's one of my, uh, I did like the first time we meet the doctor, he's pacing back and forth and uh, Adric comes in to talk to him. He's like, what if I told you if I'm in this part of the ship to just leave me alone, unless it's terribly important. It's not terribly important, is it? No, it couldn't be terribly important. You wouldn't, or we'd hear the cloister bell. And then immediately you hear bong. He's like, what's that? Mm-hmm. The cloister bell. Now go away. <laughs> and that all happens that fast. I was, so. I was happy to see, I did have to look it up. I was happy to see that Tom Baker did, uh, after his run, play Sherlock Holmes because that mm-hmm. was the yeah. energy, like that whole part. I was like, that's just Holmes and his violin and he's yeah. going to do target practice over the fireplace and <laughs> yep. then we're going to go solve a murder. <laughs> Um, that was the the vibe I got. Like that part, I understood, Which I understood that. I think yeah. is partly why Tom Baker is my favorite doctor because I get a sure. lot of Sherlock Holmes energy from him. Plus, he's got mm-hmm. the height. And Tom Baker was a doctor who um, was Doctor able... Who. You said the name of the show. <laughs> roll roll ah, credits. You said the thing. He was able to do the thing that I think makes the doctor work, which is to be goofy and silly and kind of aloof and not you're not quite sure where he's coming from but then he can flip on a dime and get very demonstrative and like William Hartnell and Sean Pertwee or John Pertwee to a, to a point the first and third doctors if they got angry that it just felt like a disappointed grandfather like they were just like they were <laughs> shaking their fist at people and it never but like Tom Baker could look threatening and he could sound threatening he's big imposing he's got that mm-hmm. deep voice um, and then he would give you that goofy smile and do something crazy. And you're like, okay, well, so he's just a nutcase. You never quite knew what he was doing, which is partly what I liked about him. But So they get to this planet Logopolis, which is apparently the center of the universe. It's got something to do with computational uh, mathematics that they do without computers because the, the math that they do is too complex okay, for I computers. Did, I did like that part. No, it's because it's like it's almost like, you know, observing something changes the results. It's mm-hmm. like that in that the math they're doing changes the very reality in which we exist. And so computer like if you do the math, it changes how the computer works. Yes. So yep. it won't be able to do the math. And that part <laughs> I thought was great. Yeah. Oh, so the master I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. yeah. And the master basically wants control of that or something. His his motivations are very I just want to control the the universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Um, he's taken the form (laughs) of somebody's. Yeah, well, reality warping math, though. Yeah. Um, and effectively, things happen, and they end up at a giant satellite dish on Earth, where he's going to beam out his uh, radio broadcast, effectively, and code that will destroy all of the universe unless they submit to him. And the doctor has to stop it. While all this is going on, too, there's a mysterious figure all in white that just sort of hangs out in the background beckoning people to him. And they occasionally go over and talk to him from afar. We see it from afar, and we have no idea what that is at all. Mm. I thought that was the master the whole time. I was super confused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it I turns like, out, oh, yeah, they, th- that's a character called the Watcher, which... Again, they were still trying to figure out this whole regeneration thing, so they were just like, every regeneration was different. The second Doctor, when he regenerated, it was a forced regeneration by the Time Lord Council, um, basically as a punishment. So 
that's been canon at one point. And the thing with Doctor Who is whatever rules and things they have established at some point in the series, they'll just break them later. Sure. So they just the plot do whatever demands they want. It. Mm-hmm. it. It's it's very much a plot demands it show. Uh, initially, the Doctor Time Lords were only allowed to regenerate twelve times and have thirteen mm-hmm. lives, but after the thirteenth Doctor, they were like, "Oh no, we can do another one." <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's just, just the guidelines. Broke the rules really. and did it again. Mm-hmm. Um, all about yeah, energy or something. It's fine. Don't even yeah, worry yeah, about it. We precisely. Just, they just slid their abacus yeah. per- beads around, and they're like, yeah, we're good go. now. No problem. Yeah. Fixed it. I did think it was kind of cool to have the Logopolis, uh, the Logopolians. I don't know how they pronounce that. but uh, <laughs> They did their math by sound. The logarithms. He, mm-hmm. he fed the math into, the into <laughs> like, to record it. He fed it into the thing with sound, um, and then that would record the the figures that they could then spit out of the different computer in order to check them against the math that all of the abacus people were doing all throughout the planet. Yeah. It's E7, not E9. And then the next <laughs> yeah. three numbers were wrong. Why were. did no one check? All right. Redundancy mm-hmm. checks. We do that all day in computers. Like, <laughs> it's the cyclic re- CRC errors. Ever heard of that? That means something didn't math right when it went through the second time. And we Look, made this was written by people whose first computers used punch cards. So, yeah. Right. You would still they check your punch cards. <laughs> yeah. You check them. You run it through but twice. This was 1981. So, yeah. you know. And again, it's, it's <clears throat> science fiction. It's basically fantasy with a veneer of uh glowy lights and technology did you see the monitor's shoes by the way they he was i his robe blew off like blew sideways at one point he's wearing some tidy tights and some six inch stilettos i was impressed oh yeah (laughs) i was Mm -hmm. like that man's running in those shoes that's incredible yes (laughs) i Um, pay attention to shoes that just it's a thing don't worry about yeah, it. That's, okay. that's good. And the doctor always has great shoes. David Tennant being my favorite mm-hmm. because he wore Converse. Yeah, he wore teacher wore Chucks. So, I mean, that's he wins. One of my favorite interactions between two doctors is from the day of the doctor, which was the 50th anniversary special, where uh, Matt Smith meets David Tennant's doctor for the first time. And he makes fun of his shoes. He's like, and you're out here in sand shoes. Oh, but it was it was really really funny. Um, the, I just it's hard to describe. Like I've base I've given you the entirety of the plot of this episode, um, mm-hmm. and none of it makes any sense. And that really mm-hmm. doesn't matter in the end. But what was the important part of this episode was that in order for the Doctor to stop the Master, he had to unplug that satellite dish you while know the Master how satellite was satellite dishes are. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's how they work. Big old plug. You could just well, that yank was. It. That was what was feeding the code into it. So he had to unplug that. Meanwhile, the master is moving the satellite dish, thus negating anything he's trying to do, but also knocking the doctor off of it. Um, And the doctor falls to his death. And that's how, like, basically regeneration is when a a time lord is near death, their their cells regenerate, but it changes the way that they look. Um, And so we get that moment Tom Baker's doctor falls. Everyone runs up to, to make sure he's okay, and he lays there, and he goes, well, this is it. This is the end. But the moment's been prepared for, and he points back, and that creepy dude in all white with the white face is just standing back there, and they're like, wait, but he was the doctor the whole time. And it's like, sure. 
Yeah. All right. Fine. Okay. We'll just go okay. with that. Yeah. And they like merge, I, I, and there's a flashing light, and then suddenly he's got a different face. And there you go. I That's watched how. that scene twice, I did, Travis. I, did like the I rewound it. At the end. The hard cut oh, yeah, at the end was... very effective because you're like, oh, mm-hmm. my job. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But I, I rewound it because I was like, rewound. Listen to me. Yeah. Those were the days. Uh, <laughs> rewound it. Because I was like, wait, what just? Ha- what does that mean? He was the doctor the whole time. I've been watching the show, and I don't even know what's going on. And then he just turns green or whatever and floats into Doctor Who's face. And I'm like, what? The- okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sure. We'll take it. So All you right. said Monty Python or something earlier, and it made me, while I was watching this, I was like, this show reminds me a lot of Monty, Monty Python without the jokes. It's like just <laughs> as hokey and silly. But it's not aiming for that, it's, or aiming for funniness like Monty Python was, but it's still very British. It you know, is. Like i got to mm-hmm. wrap my head around this. It is, and there's definitely episodes that have a lot of humor. Tom Baker, in particular, I love some of his humor because of that manic energy that he has and sort of the way that he speaks. Um, there was a great episode, um, part of a serial called, I think it was the City of, uh, I want to call it City of Death, but... Um, they're at this rich guy's house, played by Julian Glover, um, who's uh, an actor you've seen in things as well. He was Walter Donovan in Last Crusade. And they're, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Baker's doctor is getting walked into the room by the butler, and the butler like shoves him, and he falls behind a couch. And it's one of those moments that he comes up from behind. He's like, what a lovely butler. He's so violent. <laughs> like, those <laughs> kinds of jokes are just great. Or like, you're a beautiful woman, probably. You know, he just because he, he doesn't quite get humans either. Like he doesn't, he doesn't dislike them, but he doesn't quite get them. So, and he would always offer people jelly babies, jelly beans. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Like he was always offering candy, um, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. But uh, it, it's just it's a zany show. Um, don't let this be the because this was when I was watching this. What I noticed was that it was a very plodding story, and this felt like it was two episodes worth of story that they had to stretch out to four. And there are other serials in that they, they uh, did a much better job of having like enough plot to kind of move things along. Um, I just want to know if the stewardess got back to Heathrow and got her job. Nope. Nope. She ends up being a companion. She becomes the companion of the fifth doctor for a couple of years. Um, She, she just was obsessed with her job more than anybody I've ever known. (laughs) Everything was I mean, airplanes was, a, or I got to get there. That was a good gig in 1981. Mm-hmm. It was. Oh, I'm sure it was. Absolutely. Um, she actually came back just recently on an episode of Doctor Who, that actress playing that character in a current day episode uh, of huh. the series. They've been doing a lot more of that lately. Um, they will occasionally bring old characters back. There was a long running companion of the Doctor named Sarah Jane Smith who actually got a spin off show called the Sarah Jane Chronicles back in the Tom Baker era, I believe. But she came back in the redone version with David Tennant for a few episodes, um, which I thought was kind of fun. Because the companions were always a big part of it. The Doctor is the main character of the series, but he's not a human. And so they needed, they always wanted to have some kind of a human companion or somebody to be like Adric, the, the audience surrogate. Um, and they cycled through many, many companions. Um, they would come and go. They would be, and oftentimes they would uh, sort of accidentally get involved, like um, Tegan in this, who 
just wanders in the police box because she thinks that there's a phone in there for some reason. Like she, she, she doesn't realize that the phone's on the outside, I guess. I'm not sure, but she gets curious, wanders in and gets stuck inside the TARDIS and honestly takes that really well. Yeah. Uh, She does. I mean, she's Australian. That's true. Arguably not the weirdest thing that she's ever had to deal with. (laughs) They have spiders this big. She's just like, whatever. It's fine. This is probably okay. And then she immediately wants to speak to the manager. And I I love her for that because at this point I was with her. (laughs) It's such a great trope when you just need something to happen. So you just have the character be completely okay with it. Like there's no normal human response. It's like, no, we need this to be okay because... It, we need the story to go forward. Yeah. Enough that tire this, no was, freaking out. That tire was a magical level of flat. It, oh, my gosh. Impressed. It was real good. If she had to roll that thing all the way to the garage or wherever she's rolling it, her back would be just in, I mean, it, it, she'd never stand straight up again. No. I was like, you can't roll a tire. Like, it plus, it looks like it weighs eight pounds. Just pick it up. That's like, what I was thinking. It's a bicycle like... tire. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> I mean, that car, they could probably just walk the car. That's true. <laughs> you pick uh-huh. up one end, my dad I'll pick tells up the, the other. Story. My, my dad had an MG midget, uh, and they did drive it into a ditch once, and so they did just have to like get out and pick it up and put it back on the road. Yeah, that's well, about that right with those car cars. Say, just, I love how they tried to, tried to get the spare out and then tried to pump up the spare with a little foot pump. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's oh, not how I appreciated you're going to be at that for a year. their girl power energy. They were like... <laughs> yes. The aunt was like, "Well, well maybe Tegan's a girl power energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could get a knight errant, and she's like, there are no knights anymore.' <laughs> yeah. I was like, I love you so much. I did feel bad. This is though, the eighties. Her her aunt gets turned into a doll by the master, and then just yeah. that's it. And that we find yeah. out later that that's just killing somebody. Like the doctor just mm-hmm. casually mentions, yeah, he killed him. It's like, wait, what? Like, yeah, that's not reversible." <laughs> yeah. Doll equals no, death. Now it's, like, now it's oh, being sold okay. as a haunted doll. On okay. My why? <laughs> but, to, but to also, why would the police be so suspicious of a doll in the back seat of an abandoned vehicle? Like, it's not like they know that the aunt was killed. They just found a weird doll in the back of the car, and all of a sudden they're harassing the doctor. Like, you got to come to the station. How do you know? What do you? What? Nobody. There's no crime here. Nothing. We don't know where that doll came from. Well, they're trying to figure out if it's not his car, how did he end up there? And why are there dolls? Who cares? And where's the owner of the car then? (laughs) He's just a transient. Don't worry about it. Another tire. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, You got you. Where did you come from? I've been here for hours. (laughs) Like, what is the deal? And in this up in this serial, we do see the inside of the TARDIS a little bit. But what I one of the great things of the show is the TARDIS because it is that blue police phone box. And it's bigger on the inside, and you walk in, and they would have extensive sets of that. And as the show went on, they got even more and more ridiculous. Um, but uh, I always loved the TARDIS, uh, and and it makes that great sound, which later on got a really funny joke about it, where it didn't do that once, and the doctor's like, "Wait, where's where's the sound? Why didn't it do that?" And someone says, "Yeah, you've been driving it with the parking brake on." <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought that was such a that was oh, that's so good. good. That's wonderful. Um, but, I mean, like I said, it's that's kind of what Doctor Who is. Like, this this is a weaker serial, but that's basically what Doctor Who is. Weird, zany things happen, usually involving time and the destruction of the universe or some sort of a war, and the Doctor 
techno babbles his way out of it. Um, <laughs> whether you like that or not uh, is kind of up to you. But I am curious, uh, having seen this, would you be interested in watching any more Doctor Who, starting with you, Amy, since you're the one that everyone assumes would be a big fan? I would, as long as no one wants to talk to me about it. <laughs> like, like I could very quietly, maybe, watch some Doctor Who, but I don't, I don't want to live the lifestyle. I'm not. I can't follow them there. <laughs> the They're thing... like anime fans. I cannot follow you there. I can appreciate your culture, but I cannot go there. I have <laughs> too much already. Do you know how much of my brain power is devoted <laughs> to the enemies of the God Emperor of Mankind? It's like a lot. A lot. Yeah. Of and guys. that's guys, the, the thing, great like... game. It's the Chaos Gods, and they're fighting each other. This is where I'm at. I can't. I can't do... And and that's, like, anime fans, Whovians, Doctor Who fans, Warhammer fans, those are, like, fandoms that when you get into them and you get into them hard, it it takes up a lot of brain cycles. It really does, because it's deep. There's a lot of lore. There's 60 years worth of Doctor Who stories have been told. Yeah. Because even when it went off the air, they were doing books and they were doing radio plays. There were a lot of... um, Radio stuff see, and audiobooks. See, that I think I could get into. I like a good mm. old radio play. Yeah, radio plays and audiobooks. Um, oh. There were quite a few of them. In fact, the the eighth Doctor who was in the movie, um, which you know is diminishing returns on whether or not you like that that movie. But the the actor Paul McGann ended up doing a lot of uh, audiobooks for Big Finish um, audio as the Doctor. So. Um, so, all right, I, I, I respect that, Amy. I, and, and, and I would I, I would say it's worth watching a little bit more than, especially if this is the only Doctor Who you've ever watched. Check out some of the revival um, from sure. 2005 on because it is a little bit more, it's a little closer to kind of current television storytelling, yeah. um, which does make it a little bit easier to follow. The budget's My... slightly higher, uh, yeah. which does help as well. <laughs> My deep love of David Tennant might be enough. Yeah, I mean, those are really good. Eccleston, all of the Doctors that I have watched in the revival have been great. Uh, Eccleston is there for the first season, but then David Tennant came along, and he's just a delight. Uh, because he does the same thing that Tom Baker could do, which is he can go dark on oh, people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's scary. But then he'll also just be really goofy. Like one of the first things he says, he goes to talk, and he's like, New teeth. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So, Stephen, how about you? Would you give Doctor Who another shot? Maybe watch something else, either either newer or classic. Just keep in mind that like yeah. what we watched is a very weak representation, especially of the classic ones. In my opinion. no, I understand that. Much like Amy, I only have so much room in my geek brain, and I will happily discuss all the nuances of the living force and why Qui-Gon Jinn is the best Jedi ever. Um, I will do that <laughs> with you, but I can't. I can't. I don't know that I'm going to be able to get on board with the Who, with the Doctor Who, and it's it's not. So I have my brain is a strange place, and one of the things it's not good with. And this this episode almost got me. Those tones they play constantly in the background. 
I don't know what it is, but something about my inner ear hates it. <laughs> and like I get physically ill <laughs> when I listen to it. So I had to like kind of like volume down up. I had to find a sweet spot where I'm like, I'm going to be sick. Whatever the opposite of ASMR is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I've got ASMR, so I don't know if it plays with it. But then I've watched, I have like tried to watch modern episodes of Doctor Who, mm-hmm. and it, caused, it has that soap opera effect going on. And it's like the same thing. Like the, the images are very smooth. I get. I don't know if it's because frame rates in Europe, you know, all that stuff. But I'm like, I can't watch this either. I would be <laughs> nauseous the way they're moving the camera. So no, Travis, I can't watch it. But it's because I get physically ill <laughs> from, from sitting in front of it. So I think I'm 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 good. I'm good. All right, this was all a right. great experience. I'll have to I'll have to see if I can find something that that isn't frame rated weird or has the cloister bell going on that maybe yeah, you could watch. It was, I was like, "Oh boy!" <laughs> <laughs> well, Audie, you've watched a little bit, you said. But what? What about you? Would you be uh, up for watching more Doctor Who? Maybe. I, I think I'm just going to sit comfortably where I'm at now. Where I'll watch, you know, this episode because we're watching it. I'll watch another episode if somebody's really like, "Hey, we need to watch this. Talk about it." Um, mm-hmm. But I think I'm more comfortable with Doctor Who specifically being one of those shows where I watch a clip of something and then I go read the Wikipedia to see where all that stuff comes together <laughs> and just be okay with that. Like I, I don't feel the need cause it's, it's one of those things where like it's been around for 60 years. There's a whole lot of crap to watch. <laughs> yeah. and I don't want to feel like I need to go watch all that to get everything. So, so the beauty, one of the beauties of Doctor Who is that you don't. Because, like I said, whatever's happened before may get referenced, and if it sails over your head, that's fine. But at the same time, whatever's happened before, they largely ignore and do their own thing anyway. And sure, so but you can kind of do that. I'm the kind of nerd that wants to know all the freaking <laughs> lore and where this came from and where oh, that it. came from. You know, so, um, yeah, I, I'm okay where I'm at just experiencing Doctor Who here and there in my own little way. Um and you know, I have nothing against it at all. Um, it's just, yeah, I don't think it's quite my thing, and so I'll I'll just experience it in the trips and drabs that I'll take it, and see I how will... many different actors that I didn't realize were connected to Doctor Who are connected oh, to Doctor boy. Who. There's a lot of them Lots. too. Lots, mm-hmm. especially as you get into uh, the the revival in 2005 and on. Right there is. There is a bottle episode that ended up getting expanded on like the one of the characters in it later, but it's a self-contained episode from David Tennant's run that I will find and link to you guys. It's called Blink, and it is mm, it is a I really good, really good bottle episode of Doctor Who. Um, that one I don't think you you'd be hard pressed to find anyone even tangentially related to the geek space that doesn't know Blink. True, everybody knows Blink. It's so good. It's such a yeah. such a good episode. Uh, there was also a really good one where with David Tennant again, and it's got one of my favorite. Uh, it's a it's technically not an outtake uh, because it was in the episode, but the audio was muted for part of it, and it's just David Tennant. He's supposed to be doing random talking in the background of a scene, and then the audio kind of comes up at the end of it. And it's I will find the clip of that and send it to you guys because that is worth watching. Um, All right. It's just David. It's a master class of David Tennant, uh, who <laughs> is my second accent, favorite. Doctor. Though, right? He only got it like twice, um, which is unfortunate that he didn't get his natural Scottish accent more. Um, 
I really hate this trend of just having actors with great accents not have their accents. Like, I think one of the best things about Chernobyl when that show came out was everybody just talked how they talk, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it was the greatest. Like, why do they have to be either this or that? Why can't they just bring their Nate? Like, you know, let the Scottish people be Scottish unless they're from Glasgow. And then dial it back a little bit. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Subtitles. I I will say, I I agree. I want actors to use a a natural accent unless they're good at doing the accent that that they're asked to do. And it's important for the character. It matters. Like, yeah. I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch doing an American accent for sure. Stephen Strange works because he's good at yes. that. Uh, mm-hmm. Hugh Laurie doing House Hugh Laurie and doing an American accent. Hugh Laurie's great with that. So good. Um, you know, Colin Farrell is really good at an American accent, too. Mm-hmm. In fact, like Colin Farrell and Christian Bale were ones that I didn't realize until I'd seen them in like two or three things. Oh, oh, he's Irish. Oh, that guy's Welsh. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. they were so Christian the Bale whiplash also when you hear them and you're like, what is happening? <laughs> it, it took me Again. until I saw um, Reign of Fire before I knew Christian Bale wasn't American mm-hmm. because he would do all of his press tours with an American accent. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> he was dedicated Again, to it. Watch, watch Band of Brothers and you realize like three quarters of that cast is some sort of oh, European yeah. and has an accent. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. What and is I, this? I don't know if it was the show's idea for Tennant to not have a Scottish accent or if it was his idea to go with a more estuary accent that he did. Um, but, you know, he, he was good either way. So I don't really, yeah. it doesn't bother me. Um, but he was I redeemed by being Scrooge McDuck. I was about to say. He gets to go all Scottish there. Complete <laughs> redemption. It's fantastic. <laughs> but that, that is Doctor Who, and this is sort of a granddaddy of sort of recasting a role where they, they literally built it into the character that they could recast this role and keep the show going um, and keep it fresh every few years too, which is a lot of fun. Um, but we're going to talk about other recastings that have happened in classic television this month. And it's kind of fun to, to think about that because this was a born out of necessity and they each iteration would have their own personality. But that's not always the case when you recast a character um and Audi, you've got next week and what are we watching for next week we're gonna go to a good old show called roseanne oh yeah so about the sixth season they recast one of the children becky so we're gonna talk about that so we're watching season six episode nine homecoming when we have the new becky and i picked this one because I remember this one specifically growing up. Like, I remember Becky being recast. And then there's a special Easter egg at the end of the episode that I want to make sure everybody watches um, because it's worth it. Um, and we'll talk about it next week. Um, okay. But it's one of the reasons I love this particular uh, recasting. Hmm. All right. Yeah, I definitely remember that recasting because we watched Roseanne a lot growing up. and. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait, that's not Becky. What the hell is going on here? And, uh, <laughs> it's before became... you could read about the recasting on the internet like six months before right. it happened. You right. just sit down to watch TV and you're like, you just hope, You just hope they talked about it in a TV guide. Yeah. yeah yes. I, I almost chose Roseanne. Um, I almost chose French Prince, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yep. when it came down to it, I had a chance to talk Doctor Who and expose you all to Tom Baker and... <laughs> I was going to take it, damn it. So consider us exposed. Yeah. <laughs> well, now it's time to cover up. 
But that that has been uh, Doctor Who, and those were the days for this week. I I definitely had fun going back and watching, and then watching a bunch of just like random Doctor Who stuff. But I will send you a couple of these things. I think they're worth it. Uh, and I'm looking forward to watching Roseanne for next week. That is yeah. on. Where's yeah. that? Where's that available on Peacock? It is on Peacock. It's on. You gotta have premium, but it's like five bucks for a month. So okay. Um, they might even have a free trial. I don't know. Yeah. 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 So watch Roseanne and then watch all of The Office over again. <laughs> there you go. Get your well, get your yeah. money's worth. <laughs> Sensuous. Go ahead and watch that. If you haven't right, watched Yellowstone, apparently everybody else is watching that. You can watch that. Oh, uh, yeah. If you're a man of a certain age, Yellowstone is going to be your jam. <laughs> well, that, that removes at least one quarter of our panel here. So, <laughs> No, I don't know. When, last time I got my teeth cleaned, my dental hygienist was very into Yellowstone. Okay. She told me all about it. Mm. All I right. could not stop her. No, you can't, because you're, you're, you are a captive audience. She has yeah. been waiting for somebody to talk about this with. I, I've watched yeah. some bits and pieces. It's basically the modern-day Dallas. Oh, yeah. Okay. That, okay. That's the gotcha. best way I could describe it. So for all that Dallas did, Yellowstone is our, our Dallas, this generation's basically Dallas. Basically Dallas. All so, right. all right. Well, I can skip it then. I didn't care about Dallas. <laughs> yeah. Who shot J.R.? I mean, look, when I think of Patrick Duffy, Dallas is not the first thing that comes to mind. Step by step. That's right. Mm -hmm. Day by day. That is my Patrick Duffy show. Mm -hmm. Foreshadowing. (laughs) Well, I want to thank everybody in our chat room for being here this week. Faye Lynch stopped by, and I know Faye is a Doctor Who fan. We've talked Mm -hmm. extensively about that. Um, And I want to thank the three of you for putting up with uh, the silly... Low budget sci fi that I made you watch. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, I did, Travis. I will say I did like that instead of doing the Star Trek method of putting a forehead appliance on them, instead the appliance to make them look alien was on the back of the head. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. was different. <laughs> yes, and, it is. Mm-hmm. And six inch stiletto heels that he ran around in. So, yeah. Good, good on that guy. Um, yeah. But yeah, until next week and until uh, we watch Roseanne. So be ready for that and the, the recasting of Becky. Uh, for Amy, for Stephen, for Audie, I am Travis saying good night. <laughs>